is so exciting. Um, and as you know, we are premiering soon. Yes, we so are. This is so exciting. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be so good. Um, so today we're actually drinking a really cool wine. It is a New York wine from the Finger Lakes Ooh, called Bone Spirit, and we will post a picture because it's so cool. It's like a horse skeleton. It's really neat. And the slogan is, good wine and bad women don't come cheap. I can feel that on a personal level. I do too. So <laughs> I had to buy it. And so... Um, literally my favorite. That's it. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is good. Is it good? It's I haven't good. tried it yet. Let's see. Let, hold people. Ooh. Yeah. It is good. Right? I was hoping that it would be sweet, but it didn't say. Yeah. Normally table table wines are sweet. Yeah. Okay. They're on the they're on the sweeter side. Okay, well good, because that's what I did. And sorry that it is a little lukewarm. I put it in there. I think it's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Um do we want to save business till the end where we can listen and things? Or do we wanna wait? Yeah, we can save it for the Let's end. So we'll we'll save business to the end. I don't wanna bombard you. I wanna get right into this case. It's really cool and let me apologize right now. We said that the August topic was hometown murders, and I saw this guy, and I was like, this looks really cool. And then upon researching it a little more, it turns out he's not a murderer or serial killer per se, but he is a grade-A scumbag. Yeah. So um, I figured, you know, bonus. Um, he's hometown, um, but uh, it's not a serial killer or a murderer so sorry please don't yell at me um he's a serial something he is a serial rapist that's what he is and he <laughs> yep. is icky he's so we're gonna we're gonna talk about him today um but also something cool and we'll probably post this later as like a little bonus is um this guy's house is not very far from us and um, it's still a standing. It is obviously not owned by him anymore. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the story when I tell it, because um, it's part of the split deal. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're gonna drive past his house, take a little his field old house. Trip. Yeah, take a little field trip and take <laughs> you guys along. We're gonna record it. Um, it might not be as good a quality as normal because I'll probably have to use my phone yeah. but um we can't bring our podcasting equipment in my car unfortunately um I mean we could maybe I just don't know if it would have to have internet because it's that Spotify thing um, or yeah I think it would I mean we could take my husband's computer no but his dies automatically never mind yes yeah. it might be not so it's gonna be poor quality <laughs> poor, poor quality but I'll try to like fix it so that it's better anyway um <laughs> So today, I'm going to be talking about John Thomas Jamelski. Um, and this is our, we live in this, like, city right now. I'm obviously not going to tell you exactly where we live. Yeah. But we live in this city right now. This is where we met, so this is a pretty cool case. Um, so, John Thomas Jamelski was born in Fayetteville, New York, May 9th of 1935. He was... Uh, the son of a watchmaker, which is like it sounds so like proper. Yeah, I don't know. I just was son of a watchmaker. Oh, really? <laughs> it sounded like something you would hear in like I don't know, like a period film yeah. or something like that. So I was like, I have to add that. Down. Um, 
in high school he was quiet and withdrawn and he really didn't speak with anybody and he was kind of like an academic underachiever but he liked some classes but he mostly stayed away from sports that kind of a, a kind of a loner kind of kid mm-hmm. um he graduated from high school and then he graduated from a state college called Morrisville State College have no clue where that is. I don't even know if it's still in existence. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it. And I mean, I've lived in New York for a long time. So I'm not sure. Nicole's looking it up. She'll call us. I got this. <laughs> um, but anyway, he graduated with a degree in watchmaking. He was also a master watchmaker in 1955. Um, he had um, a few blue collar jobs after he graduated. And then he eventually married a school teacher named Dorothy Richmond and they had three sons together. So just to hop back for two seconds, <laughs> Morrisville it actually does exist. Still, oh, still it's, exists. It's SUNY Morrisville. So it's a it's a SUNY school. Oh, it's a state university of New York. Oh yes. okay. and it's in Morrisville. Alright, I don't I don't know I where that is. Don't either. I will so. not drive past that. <laughs> but it's, I will drive past his cool house. Oh kind of Near it's probably far. I feel like it's far. Oneana. Oneana. Oh, yeah, that's... Oneida? How Oneida. S- Oneida. Oh, my Lord. I'm not from New York. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, south of that. Oh, it's south of Oneida? Yeah. Oh, that's, like... Well, like I mean, it's not that years. long. It'd maybe be, like, 45 minutes. But yes. I don't want to drive past there. But I will drive past this house for you, because that's 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I have no interest in his college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... So he lives his whole life kind of this way with his, you know, his wife. He has kind of a normal life up until 1988, which is when things get a little freaky. Interesting. Yeah, like he has all these blue collar jobs. He doesn't really like do the watchmaking thing. He works in a couple grocery stores, but he and he has a wife and three children. No terrible child. But no terrible. Not that I could find. Interesting. Not that I could find. Um, If you guys. Know anything about that? Hit us up. Yeah, if we all of the all of the articles that I read about this guy, there was not not a lot about his childhood. What I have is what there was. Yeah. And then there was um a documentary on Annie. It was Cold Case Files. Um, they have like a thirty minute half an episode on him, so it's not like a ton of information. Yeah, Yeah, it's not even a full thing on him. Anyway, um, in 1988, he convinces his father to invest in stocks, and when his parents died. Um, Jamelski received a pretty large inheritance from them. Um, And then he invested this money in all these real estate dealings in California and Nevada. So by 2000, the year 2000, Mm -hmm. he's a millionaire. Holy shit. He has a shit ton of money. Well, he was good at stocks. (laughs) Yeah, but he, even though he has all this money, he lives a very frugal existence. And he is often seen collecting beer cans and bottles from trash cans to deposit. Like, you're a millionaire. And you're picking out of people's garbages? That's a humble lifestyle, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and something interesting about the um, uh, the collecting of beer cans and bottles. At the time of his arrest, he had a collection of 13,000 bottles that was sold on eBay for $500 after his conviction. What? what? Okay, first of all. So, like, seriously, this guy is, like, a self-proclaimed hoarder. I was going to say, so he didn't even turn those in for the five cents. He just hoarded them. Some of them. You'll find out later that some of them he doesn't do that with. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> 
um, interesting, oh no, I kind of want to skip this. I'm going to move past stuff. So, as I said, lame. Sorry, my cat is eating things. Um, so, at the time of his arrest, he's known as New York's Dungeon Master. Oh, that's So, story. if that doesn't give you a little bit of insight about what's going to happen, <laughs> you'll see. Um, he had a 15-year serial raping spree from 1988 until his capture in 2003. Um, and like I said... His life turned around in nineteen in the nineteen eighties. He mm-hmm. was had a normal life, and then all of a sudden, it's just like switch. Um, he lost his jobs, um, and then he started. He'd already been scavenging for bottles and cans, but it got worse. And then he became a full on hoarder. Like if you see pictures of this dude's house, it's icky. Oh. It's icky. Oh. It's gross. I, I was like, Are you, oh, oh, you're gonna post some of them. I'm gonna photos. post some of them. Oh, oh. already. But I think it's only gonna be one because there's another thing that I really want to post. Um, and we'll get to that later. Oh, so, um, so, and one cool thing about him, in which and eventually led to part of his capture, was he had a vintage Mercury Comet, which is like a, at the time was like a car that not many people had. Okay. So, remember that for later. Right. So. In September of 1988, he lured a 14-year-old girl into his car and held her captive in a dungeon for two years. Oh, my God. Uh, This girl was reported missing by her family, and she returned home in 1990. He let her go and brought her home. Why would you... Okay, I mean, like, I'm I'm not saying I'm not mad but like why would he let her go that's a witness well here okay i'll tell you why i'll tell you why he does it because it's actually an interesting uh, forensic countermeasure he lets them go but their story is so crazy and wild that the police don't believe and then there's something that he does prior to releasing them that makes it impossible for them to find any evidence at all and you'll i'll tell you about it but he like they don't know his name they don't know where they were they, like, they, and their story is just like, you've been held in the dungeon for two yeah. years? What are you talking about? Like, what? And he also likes to, um, to threaten and, you know, kind of that thing. So, yeah. anyway, um, the, the victim later said that Jamelski had threatened to kill her brother, so she lied about, you know, what happened to her, and then she eventually ran away from home because people oh. were so, you know, like, what happened to you? And she couldn't, she, couldn't te- she couldn't say because she was so afraid. Oh, that's terrible. Um... And then in 1995, Jamelski abducted a second 14-year-old. And he kept her for two years. And there were daily sexual assaults to this girl. And his wife is still alive at this time. He's still married to her. And she is ill with cancer upstairs this whole time. She's ill with cancer? Oh, my God. Yeah, seriously. He is a trash ball. And then he freed this girl in 1997... And again, threatened her if she told. Um, and when he brought her back to her family, the girl told her mother that she'd been kidnapped and raped by an older man. But she was so terrified that he, she never reported anything. Oh, and awful. her family didn't report the kidnapping because they spotted a man driving around their neighborhood that their daughter said was the guy that raped her. And he was driving around their apartment for weeks 
So he knew where she, well, he knew where she fucking lived. Yeah. And so he's driving around intimidating them. And so they don't. So when she gets kidnapped, they don't even report her missing. No, I, I don't think that she was reported missing. No. But when she came back, her family didn't report that she had been missing or she had been taken. They didn't oh say God. anything because this guy is driving around their neighborhood intimidating them. Jesus Christ. So you not get the cops involved with that? I, I know. Your A lot of people. missing and you don't call? And, oh. He was very good at finding people on the margins of society, people that would yeah. think they were runaways, things like that. Some of the cops wouldn't take seriously. Yeah, That's yeah. Awful. And yeah, And some of them were thought to be like vagrants and you know into drugs and you mm. know stuff like that so not necessarily the 14 year olds but they were known to like some of them were known to have run away from home before and yeah. so you know stuff like that was it wasn't reported um and so a third victim was abducted shortly after he freed his second in 1997 and it was a 53 year old vietnamese immigrant like 14 yeah. to, to 53. 53. That's a giant leap. That is a and huge so leap. <laughs> that's just interesting. But I think she might have been a victim of opportunity. Yeah. He held her for five months. And on May 23rd, 1998, he dropped her off at a Greyhound bus station with $50. Okay. Um, that's- she, <laughs> <laughs> she immediately goes to the cops. But they're skeptical of her claims, and they don't do a thorough. They don't do a thorough investigation. Uh, um, okay, excuse me. Cops, man, that's like the one big issue that really comes across in a lot of these stories is the cops dropping the ball. Yeah, it's like okay, even if you don't believe, you should probably just still try and investigate. Yeah, even like, if you don't find anything, I guess. I was gonna say it doesn't. Like, we've all learned that. Wild and crazy things happen every day. Mm-hmm. So, like, if somebody I comes like- to you, you shouldn't... Like, if somebody comes to you and says, I was held captive for five months, raped and tortured and whatever, you don't look at them and go, oh, that sounds too extreme. Have fun. Like, and kick them out of the police station. That is so fucked up. I know. And they, it's crazy because what eventually, when they find out all this stuff is happening, they are like, we are so sorry. Yeah. Because there are... I mean, this lady comes forward and another victim comes forward eventually. And it's kind of crazy. So in 2001, uh, after Jamelski's wife dies, he grabs a fourth victim, and she is a 26-year-old single mother. Oh, no. Um, She was walking downtown when Jamelski offered her a ride home, and she accepted because the weather was poor. He obviously blindfolds her and takes her into his dungeon and um he would again you know inflict daily sexual assaults on her and when she would resist his advances Jamelski would um inflict cigar burns on her he would burn her with a cigar um and she was released after two months and again, she immediately goes to the police. I don't think it's the same police station. And I think that's why maybe they, the two women weren't connected at the time. Yeah. Because those are two very alike stories yeah. that didn't get followed up on. So, um, she didn't know. They The, the, the police ask her if she knows Jamelski's name and address. Of course, she does not. Um, he blindfolded all of his victims yeah. when they were coming and going from his house. So they never knew where they were. Um, 
But she gave cops the essential clue. She said he drove a 1975 Mercury Orange Comet. Mm. There was only one in the Syracuse area, but it was not owned by Jamelski. And the guy that it was owned by, his alibi checked out. Jamelski's car was a 74 Mercury Comet, not a 75. Oh my god, they wouldn't check other years? And the police did not broaden their search. Oh my god! Um, she, um, she did get the make and the color right, but the year was wrong. Um, and after she was released, the police investigation was complicated by a letter that um, Jamelski had forced her to write. She had asked to write home, but Jamelski made her put specific things in her letter. Yeah. Um, he told her that it was okay to write home to her parents, letting them know she was alive, but she had to say that she was in a drug rehabilitation clinic. Ah. Not where she actually was. And, kicker, when they did a rape kit, there was no evidence of sexual assault. What? Yeah. I will talk about that later. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> In an interview on Cold Case Files, if you guys want to watch this documentary, I mean, it's like 30 seconds, but, well, 30 minutes, but 30 seconds, <laughs> but um, it is Cold Case Files Season 4, Episode 6, The Scorn Man Slash The Dungeon, The Dungeon obviously being... They, they basically said that at the time it was hard to believe her because she had written this letter home, the letter was written in her hand and did not show any signs of distress, and then also, you know no rape kit you know there's nothing shown in the rape kit which i will explain later guys it's like it's there is a there is a reason for it i'm i have this whole i changed the way i do this this week there's a whole thing on his victimology and why he does what he does Interesting. um okay. uh because he was very forthcoming about why he did what he did anyway okay um so not ready for that <laughs> but she said the police didn't believe her and it was hard to to, pros to, to prosecute somebody that quote unquote didn't exist even yeah. though he didn't he was a Nikki. Um in October 2002 Jamelski abducts his final victim a 16 year old girl who he nicknamed Mika. Um at this point he's so old that he that, that Mika says in police interviews that he needs like Viagra to be able to do any of this. Oh wow. Okay. Um and she manages to befriend him um and investigators, investi investigators, oh, wow, why guys, <laughs> investigators. And we're only halfway through the bottle. Woo, um, investigators um, <laughs> later described what they thought was Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Um, so, he liked Mika so much that he allowed her out of the bunker, or the dungeon, and into his home. Oh. He kept all padlocks on um, on his es potential escape, escape routes, so she couldn't get out. So I'm like, this is okay. like Ariel Castro shit. Yeah. So, um, but then he also began to take her out on outings to the bowling alley, to bottle redemption centers. And Interesting. And to a local bar where he and she sang karaoke together. And nobody thinks any of this Okay, had she, been, had she been reported missing? Yes, I believe she had. This hurts my soul. By her family. There was not a lot about, like, the victims have been, they do not want to be named. That's why there are no names in this. They, you, we don't know who they are. There's uh, only one woman who has shown her face, but I don't even think they used her real name. 
Um, They want their anonymity. So there's very little about, like, their personal experiences. It's all very general. Yeah. Because they are just like, I don't even want to be associated with this. Yeah. Because it's icky. Um, So, during a bottle run, to FM Returnables, which I wonder still exists, and we could drive past it because this is kind of where he gets caught. Ooh. On April 9th, 2003, Mika manages to call her sister. Manages to get Jamelski to allow her to call a church, quote unquote. You'll see, I mean, you're not seeing, but I'm using quotes here. Air quotes. A, air quotes. Smart girl. A church. And she calls her sister instead. Um, she has to get off the phone very quickly. She can't stay on there long, but um, her sister calls the police. And Jamelski is later found at a local car dealership with Mika and is arrested. Exactly. What were... Um, yeah, he's crazy. So, so he is arrested like the scumbag he is. Anyway, I want to talk about the bunker where he kept these people. I am not ready for this. (laughs) It is a 12 by 24 foot bunker that was only accessible through a crawl space hidden behind a door in his garage. Oh. His family knew about the bunker. What did they think it was for? But they didn't know he was using it as a dungeon. And the the documentary said that his son even helped him drop off one of the victims, but he didn't know what it was for. I didn't read about that anywhere else. But I think that's so hard to believe. He blindfolded them. Like, why would you blindfold a girl? Like a young person. I mean, I'm not sure which victim it was, but they said that that happened in the documentary. documentary. And I thought it was weird. I just thought that was strange. Yeah, that is weird. Um, so I'm, don't quote me on that, guys. I just heard it somewhere else. If it's wrong, please let me know. Oh. I wonder how old his son was. Maybe young. Yeah, it could have been real young. It could have been like one of the earlier ones Mm. and he didn't think anything of it. Um, anyway. He told neighbors that it was a storm shelter. So anybody who was nosy would go away. In Syracuse. Okay. <laughs> in, in this bunker, there was a plastic bucket toilet oh. that had been attached to a, an aluminum frame chair. Oh. Um, a filthy blue foam cushion that he used as a bed. He salvaged a bathtub and would allow them to bathe, I think they said every two weeks, um, Gross. with a garden hose. So, oh, cold. 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 Awesome. And he also kept a calendar in which he made notes of all of his victims' daily actions. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about oh that in a minute. Oh, my God. There was a steel door leading to an eight-foot-long tunnel, which had to be traversed on hands and knees, leading to yet another steel door which led to an 8-foot-high, 24-foot-long, and 12-foot-wide room. So and, guys, I stole that from an article. I'm posting all my articles in, a, in, in the show notes. I literally could not explain that better than... How they said it. How they said it. Yeah. Like, you had to get on your hands and knees to get to this shit. This is all underground? All underground. He has, like, a whole house underground. This is terrifying. It's scary. I don't like this. Um, The dungeon... <laughs> He called it a dungeon, but bunker. The bunker had a lot of things written on the walls. Mm. Lots of religious phrases, lots of peace symbols. 
Oh, yeah, that's peaceful. And oh. when they eventually arrested him in 2003, and Mika says their sto- tells the story, they're like, what? This girl a couple of years ago, the, mo- the 26-year-old mother, yeah. had a very similar story. And they contact her, and they ask um, her if she knows what the words were written on, on the wall. And she correctly responded, wall of thugs. That is what is written on the wall there. Wall of thugs? Yeah. A crucifix, a crucifix hung over the door, and next to it said, peace to all who enter here. There were words like hate, ready to ruckus, bring on the pain, and some of them were written in red paint. It was very icky, and guys, this is what I'm going to be posting pictures of. There are oh. a lot of them of what it looked like down there. Oh. It is nasty. And no one would want to go down there ever. So and not ready to they're like, <laughs> um, so we're gonna get on kind of to his arrest and his methodology and stuff like that. This one might be a little shorter. Like I said, he's not a murderer. Yeah. There's a little less detail on him, stuff like that. Um, so the police said he um was a man who was attracted to late or post adolescence. Um. Teenagers usually between the years of 11 and 19. So the 53-year-old yeah, woman the, the random is a woman. real big weird number for me, which is strange, mm. but she could have been a victim of opportunity. He yeah. could have just, like, oh, hell with what I want. I, this is what yeah, I can get. So I picked her up. Exactly. Um, Jamelski often targeted runaways and people he thought wouldn't be missed. Um, and all five women who were abducted were different ethnicities. Um, the woman abducted in 1988 was Native American. The woman abducted in 1995 was um, a Latino or a Latin American woman. Um, in 1997 uh, was the 53-year-old. She's Asian, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's still, um, Vietnamese. Um, in 2001, he um, ab- abducted a Caucasian woman. And in 2002, he uh, abducted a African-American woman. Prosecutors and investigators um, think that this has to do with him being a compulsive hoarder. That this is a collection of uh, some sort. Yeah, that would make sense. It's, That's disturbing as all fucking hell. It's very, but... very weird. Oh. Um, he would take car rides for potential victims. He would just take these long rides and look... For people he could possibly snatch oh. up. Um, and when he found one he thought that wouldn't be missed, he would approach them and he convinced them to get in his car using some sort of a ruse, obviously. Ugh. Why not? This guy is a freaking. Ugh. I'm sorry. I have no words. He's I, that gross. <laughs> he's real gross. Um, and then he um, would take them to his house and force them into his dungeon. And like I said, they were blindfolded there so they couldn't tell where he you know, mm-hmm. brought them. And then they were also blindfolded when they were returned. Because uh, one of the girls said that he made her put on a hoodie backwards and put the hood over her face. I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you'd keep the hood from falling down. But... Maybe it was, like, oversized. I mean, I have who, who knows? Who cares? <laughs> it was gross. He tied the strings. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> and once he brought them to the dungeon, they were bound stripped and held captive one at a time and he would tie them up to a chain that was connected um to an ankle bracelet on the wall 
So it's kind of reminded me of Todd Colehep. So, yeah. like, the ankle, but, like, Todd Colehep's was around the neck, which is, neck. I feel like that's worse. It like, was. that's, like, I mean, that guy was, like, she's chained up like a dog. Yeah, that's, like, literally a dog collar. But this was a little bit more not tied up to your neck. I mean, I don't know what else to say. A little bit more what? I don't know. A little bit more fucked. <laughs> He's fucking <laughs> shitty. So, he would keep them scared and terrified um, by telling them lies. And saying that he was a part of an underground sexual slavery network. Telling them that he was going to sell them into sex slavery. Oh my god, that's awful. He is fucking shitty. And here is the calendar thing. He had them mark which days they brushed their teeth, when they bathed, and when they were raped. And so he had symbols for these things. B, being bathed. T, meaning brushing their teeth. And S, for sex. Oh, my God. Among other things. Um, after several months, during which time they would be raped repeatedly, sometimes daily, Jamelski would drive them to a location that they chose, blindfolded, and would let them go. They chose? They chose. They would tell him where to go. That's why he knew where that one girl lived. Oh. And he tailed their house. Because she said she wanted to be dropped off Home. Home. I guess it makes sense, like, you want to go home, but at the same time... I would have been like, take me to a gas station on this corner, because I don't want you to know where I fucking live. Oh, excuse me, can you take me to the nearest police station, please? Can you take me (laughs) to the investigators on 9th F? Thank you. Right? I... That's where I would like to go. I want to be out of here. Actually, if you'd like, come inside with me. (laughs) And they said that this whole thing, like, in the bunker, they said that, um... The tub was on top of, like, um, pallets, like, wooden pallets. And when he let the drain run out, the water would get all over the floor and have nowhere to run out. So the it would be cold and wet and muggy and, damp. like, just oh. damp and wet and ugh. Oh. So nasty. Gross. And so, like... They feel nasty because this nasty man is coming and doing icky things to them, but then they also feel nasty when he leaves because he's leaving them in a shit heap. Yes. It's oh, so, so gross. Awful. And guys, when you see the pictures of this bunker, it's despicable. It's disgusting. I'm not ready. I just don't. Even slightly. Bless. The thing. I had said stuff about there not being evidence of sexual assault. Yes, I want to hear about this because I don't want to. To avoid leaving evidence of rape, he would stop sexual contact with his victims during the days before they were released. So there was no evidence because everything was healed. There were no, there was no like semen or anything down there. It had all gone away. Oh, it was gone. Devious bastard. Yeah. So, and then they didn't know who he was. Yeah. They didn't know where they went. And they're locked in a bunker. Yeah. And there's no ex- evidence of what they're saying happened to them. Mm-hmm. So the police are like, dur, 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 dur. I don't believe your story. Yep. And they're like, ha, 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 you suck. Do your job. Um. And they felt real bad after this and apologized, especially to the woman who gave them the big clue about the Mercury Comet, Hmm. because she came and was like, I 
Well, off by, that's all this shit happened to me. Off by one year. I know, seriously. Like, okay, but why didn't that? My thing was like, why didn't they think of that? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe she got the year wrong. Like, that would have been my yeah. first thought. Exactly. This guy that I look into has a perfect alibi. He has no criminal yeah. record. I could be like, hmm, I wonder. That's the first thing I would do is, like, check 76 and 74. And then yeah. after that, if we don't find anything, like, maybe. maybe. But you don't even look. I was going to say, one year difference. The car is practically identical at that point. So it's like, I mean, like, what is there, like, cosmetic things yeah. that are different? Like, nothing really that nothing different about Nothing super noticeable. Like, it's going to, you're going to get the year wrong. Exactly. Oh. So, I'm telling you, this guy is a great ace comeback. I just, like really hate him <laughs> um and so with an interview with in an interview with msnbc after he was arrested mm-hmm. and i think it's the local msnbc okay because i know that there are like local yeah there's like local channels that also like sectors of that it. also like have their news channels on that yeah i know like when i lived in columbia there was an nbc yeah. which was the local columbia channel yeah everybody so. has their local channel channel five or whatever yeah whatever it is so when he was interviewed by them, he said that he should not be punished for what he did. What? And that once he was arrested, he thought that he would maybe spend a couple of days in jail, get a fine, and perform community service. Get a fine. For oh my lord. And he said that <laughs> lawyers had to spend a lot of time after he was arrested explaining to him that taking women and holding them captive in a dungeon was kidnapping. He thought it was like unlawful imprisonment. And that's not as much of a crime as kidnapping. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wish people could see my face right now. Yes. <laughs> Nicole is like, My jaw just like hit the ground. Like, what? He, this guy has the fucking audacity to say, I thought this was just unlawful imprisonment and I was going to get community service. What? Oh, my God. Excuse me? This and they caught him red-handed. He had Mika. Literally had obviously with him. Yeah, obviously Mika's going to tell the story. Mm-hmm. The stories are going to match the other women. DVD. Yep. And when they, when, it, when they do catch him and, like, say the story or whatever on the news, like, yeah. oh, they are catching this guy, more victims come out of the woodwork. The ones that were afraid to talk. Yeah. They come out and say, this happened to me. Yeah. And they all have the same fucking story. God damn and it. he is a piece of shit. Um, and in July of two, 2003, in the Onondaga courtroom, county oh, courtroom. Oh, okay. This fucker cries crocodile tears. Oh, This bitch. piece of shit. Little bitch. And he pleads guilty to five counts of first-degree kidnapping. At least he pled guilty. Um, and after the victims read their victim impact statements, he said, I'm truly sorry for what I did. I've had a lot of time to think about it, and I'm just sorry for what I did and how it's affected everyone, and God bless them all. I'm going to God bless your face with my fist in a second. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <This is> ridiculous. <laughs> what? What to God bless your face with my fist? <laughs> so right now, well, as of 2003, he was currently serving a term of 18 years to life. And part of his plea agreement, his guilty plea agreement, said that his assets would be sold off and divided among his victims. So that's why... Why would you want any of that? Because he was a fucking millionaire! Oh, okay, that's right. I forgot about that for a second. I was like, why they would you want, like, any of his shit? They couldn't technically... I, They couldn't say 
I, I don't know why it was only kidnapping, nothing about the sexual assaults. And I think it had to do with there was no evidence. There was no actual evidence. I mean, maybe there might have been with Mika. Yeah. But there was only evidence with that one person. So part of the plea yeah. agreement might have been to take that charge out. Out because technically they had no physical evidence. Other than with that, Mika. Other than Mika. And but they obviously every, know that it happened. But they're else like, was hmm. kind of yeah. In the court's eyes, it was hearsay. It wasn't. Yeah, they were like. Hmm, can you say this can, happened, but we can't prove it. Yeah. They were like, we can get you on these kidnapping and get you for life. Yeah. Lots of, lots of years and or life. Yep. Or we can try to pursue this other thing and maybe not win it because there's only evidence in this one person. 18 years to life is quite a gap, though. <laughs> I know. I don't. I mean, I would have tried to go for the sexual assault conviction, but I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. So I don't know. Don't My know dad is. I could ask him why. You should ask your I'll dad. I'll ask him why maybe he didn't get convicted of the sexual assault. Shout out to you, dad. Anyway. Um, <laughs> shout out to you. So, um, and that's why his house still exists. They sold it. Sold it. They sold it, and it's owned by a, another person now. But I found it. <laughs> That's probably bad. I looked up John Jamelski's address, and it pops right up. Pops right up. That's terrifying. So I'm sure people, <laughs> and like we should look at a picture of before and after, because I read an article that said all of the land around his home had bought, been bought up commercially. Oh. Except for his little plot of land. And he, had, and he had put this whole big fence around it, and it was basically like commercially developed land, and then this little junkyard. Little shit run down. And like, if you look <laughs> at old pictures of his house, it's like six different colors. Uh, it's nasty. There's garbage everywhere. And then you look at a picture of it now, and it's beautiful. I hope they got rid of that fucking bunker. Thank you for saying what I was thinking. And, or like poured cement <laughs> down there. I'm not going to go ask them. I mean, we could knock on the door and be like, excuse me. But I'm not going to do that. Excuse me, do you still have a bunker? <laughs> excuse me. Please answer my creepy question. And they'd probably be like, police. Yeah. Please get these people off my lawn. Please, two crazy girls. Um, <laughs> so, crazy thing. Um, in 2021... And I texted you this yes, earlier. Yes, you did. And I was like, I hell noped out of this. No. I hell noped out. In 2021, he will be eligible for parole. Fuck that. And this will be just before his 86th birthday. Oh my God, he's that old. Yeah, so he was already old because he was using Viagra. Yeah. Because he's like, what? It's 2003. It's 2020 now. So 13 is 10 years. 23. Yeah, so he was like... 72, 73, around he, the, la the time he took his last... No, because, well, it depends on how long the trial went for. Well, he got... Or he got, when did um, he get arrested? He got arrested in April, and then his July was in... His, <laughs> his July? His July. His trial was in July. <laughs> um, so not so, very long. So in... Tw yeah, 2003, 73. So, yeah, he needed Viagra. That's nasty. To have sex with Mika. That's so nasty. Also, that really just showed my math skills. I just... You're... Thank you, because oh. I'm terrible at math. No, no, I'm normally terrible at math. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was me, just like, wow, she did that all in her head. It took me way too long to figure out 86 minus 13. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> take one away from the 8, and I've got 76. <laughs> I'm like, 
13, so that is three more. <laughs> You're so smart. My boss literally the other day was like, so this room is this by this, and if we do, we cut it in half, it's this. And I was just like, sure. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. I need a calculator <laughs> to do that math. I took accounting classes, but I need a calculator to do that math. Oh, I know. I, pull out, I fill out payment forms for work, and it's like, we do like segments of payment, and like, they all have to add up, and then you take out 10% for retainage, and all this stuff goes into it, and I'm like... Oh my god, I have to have like three people check my work because I'm so bad at math. I'm like, I can't send this to anybody because no one I'm gonna charge somebody like tens of thousand dollars more than I should be. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Thankfully I'm not dealing with that large amounts of money. Oh my god, I know it drives me crazy. Anyway, anyway, guys. <laughs> that is the story of grade A scumbag, God bless, you know, a punch in the face, John Jamelski. He's a piece of shit. He's a huge piece of shit. And I hope he never, ever gets out. I don't think he will. Um, I don't... I think... There's no way. I mean, his victims are still out there. I have a feeling in his parole hearing every single... I, 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 I would show I would, would show up. I would show up. I, I hope every single one of them shows up. But he has to be like, okay... So, like, with Todd Colha, when he had that that girl... that When that first victim he had where he, where he raped that girl... Mm-hmm. He was, he had to be registered as a level three sex offender. So like, even though he's not registered, I'm sure they still can consider him. Yeah. Because likely to repeat, Oh yeah. likely to repeat for fucking however many years. The fact that he did it at 73, you think 86 years old is going to stop him? And the fact that he thought that this was just nothing, not a big deal, no harm, no foul. Like, oh, well, I let them go. I let them go home. thought he was going to get away with probation. Oh. He's literally a sick fuck. He's and just, yeah. I it's an understatement. Honestly. Really, really, really hate him. Anyway. Okay, guys. So that's the story. Um, we're going to try to finish up this little last bit of wine before we finish all of our business <laughs> with y'all. So... Ugh. You wanna? You, I'm gonna drink some of this wine, and you take it, and I'll I'll pop it in. All right, ladies and germs. So you can follow us on social media. We have Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. We have Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. We have Facebook, which is also at Buzzkillers Podcast. Check out our website. Yes, we have our beautiful own website, www.buzzkillerspodcast.com. You can also listen to our episodes there and on Facebook. Yes. Um, you can listen on Podbean, and we're working on getting it up on Apple Podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. And Spotify will be coming soon. I'm a Spotify lover. Shout yep. out to Spotify. I make our music <laughs> on Soundtrap, so what up? Um... <laughs> But they require certain things, and uh, we will meet those requirements in a couple of weeks. Soon. Soon, hopefully. So um, just be on the lookout if you're a Spotify listener like me. I, I'm a big fan of Spotify. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks for the premium, guys. Um, what well, else is there? Next week will be my turn to finish off Hometown Murders. Our yeah. August topic. It'll be the last episode for this monthly topic. Mm-hmm. We'll be taking a trip over to Rochester, where I was born. Where she was born, guys. <laughs> where the earth was graced with her presence. And also was home of a really fucked up creeper. So. With a really great documentary on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, 
<laughs> so we will be covering that Rochester case, and it will be soup's cool. Oh my god, I just so screwed up. I was, guys, uh, we're so excited. It's, <laughs> this has been a crazy ride. I can't wait to, re- like, just to look into more. I mean, I've, I've seen this documentary, and I yeah. know well, this will be a case that I know yeah. a little bit about. But I haven't, I didn't, I ha- when I started watching the documentary again, I completely stopped. Because I was like, oh, we gotta cover this guy. Yeah. I wanna learn again, because <laughs> oh, yeah. I know I've seen this, but I can't remember. So, oh. um, this will be kind of new to me. But it, I'm excited it was, because there are things I don't remember and I'm sure I will still say, be shocked it, by because it was new to me for researching and I did some of it like on my breaks at work and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, oh my God. God. I hope you're not doing this on your work computer because if anybody looked at your history, they'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> don't tell my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why cops drive by so often. No, I'm kidding. No, they do. I mean, you have your, like, Wi-Fi as FBI surveillance band. So I know. I think that they'd be, you'd show the FBI card and they'd be like, oh, we'll back off. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> the FBI. No, that's my dad. That's my dad. That's my dad. So, um, I think there's nothing else. We're, we're going to be coming out with a new topic our september topic soon we're, we're discussing it right now so we can start recording the episodes mm-hmm. and at the end of august you guys should have an idea of what that's gonna be yes. we're so excited we have so many topics we want to share so many cases we want to share it's gonna be so much fun and thank you for coming along on this ride with us this is so new to us and yeah. we just appreciate you know li- you listening and that bearing with us through this new process as we, as we as we work through you know what we need to do to podcast because i had no clue yeah it, so, it was, it, we've learned a lot of things these last couple of weeks about podcasting it's um, super complicated but it's gonna be great and yes. we are so excited and one more thing on our website we have a contact page reach out to us Send us your weird stories. We might do some listener things eventually. Yeah, we want to do know. like a listener topic month where like you guys send us things that you guys want to hear about yeah. so that we can really kind of immerse you in our process here. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, you can obviously email us too at yep. buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. But if you don't want to do that and you want an easier way, just go to our website and there's a contact page. It'll send us an email directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it, and we will we see you guys next, next week. Time. Okay, bye. Bye.